Welcome to the New England Baseball Journal podcast presented by Firecracker Sports. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Today's guest is coming to us from Orono, Maine, fifth-year head coach of the Maine Black Bears, Nick Durba. Nick has the Black Bears on an upward trajectory toward contending for an America East Conference title. Last year, Maine opened the America East playoffs with a win over top-seeded Stony Brook before eventually falling in the conference semifinals. Two of his players, Nick Sinicola and Alex McKenney, signed pro contracts after the season. I can't wait to hear Nick talk about his philosophy on program building, recruiting, and the always controversial NCAA transfer portal. Before we get to Nick, I'll review some of the ways you can engage with us at New England Baseball Journal. This winter, we're pulling back the curtain on New England's largest travel programs to try to give players and parents an idea of what's out there. Visit BaseballJournal.com to check out those pieces. We're also doing state-of-the-program reports on each of New England's Division I programs. In addition to visiting BaseballJournal.com, you can sign up for our free newsletter, which goes out three times a week and highlights the latest content on BaseballJournal.com. We're also starting to work on the winter edition of New England Baseball Journal. The print publication includes prep previews as well as college features at the D1, D2, and D3 levels. If you want to receive the publication at your home or office, click on the subscribe tab on baseballjournal.com. That publication will go to press after the first of the year. Thanks again for listening to the New England Baseball Journal podcast. Here's Maine coach Nick Durba joining us on Zoom. Nick, thanks so much for joining the pod. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, certainly an honor to be here and, and hang out and talk with you for a bit. Yeah, yeah. How are things going up in Orono? Great, you know, uh, last day of classes today, finals next week. So, you know, the college, college students, uh, dream week, right? Finals, yeah. and uh, yeah, then we're you know, we're, we'll be on break, but things are good here, it's getting quiet. You know, it's a good time of year. Let guys uh, go home, see some family, and good for, our, for the staff to you know, regroup and get ready for the best time of year. Yeah, it seems like college uh, coaches this year are pretty grateful. Uh, to have it pretty much back to normal from where it was at least last fall. How did this fall differ for your team uh, from last fall? Well, uh, in every way possible, you know, <laughs> just from the standpoint of being able to have everybody on the field at one time was nice. You know, we didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, no testing procedures, none of that stuff. So uh, it was it was good to be back. You know, it was even a little bit different in the springtime where, you know, we were, we were, we were we had to be mindful of, how many people were in the clubhouse or how many people were on the buses. So, you know, it was nice to be back to normal, um, you know, see some guys, you know, get back at it. Some things that, you know, I kind of actually missed from COVID, you know, I thought having online classes was, was pretty awesome in the, in the spring. You know, I didn't have to worry about, you know, really any, any scheduling conflicts, but for the most part, it was, uh, it was really good to be back and, and get back to uh, regular baseball, you know, as we, as we know it. Yeah, and we just had a season, kind of an off-season state of the program report on the main program. It sounds like, you know, for the second year in a row, you're expecting to inject some talent, uh, you know, both freshmen and through the transfer portal. It seems like, you know, talking to coaches, a lot of coaches are really uh, almost negative about the transfer portal, and they complain about, you know, players coming and going so much. But it seems like you've almost embraced it and really had it kind of um, – Vital, revitalize your program or add talent and flux of talent to the program. How do you, uh, yeah. how, how do you feel about the transfer portal? I think it's great. Right. And, you know, and, and I tell the people all the time, it's a double-edged sword. Um, 
you know, I, I our one of our biggest one of the biggest things I tell every every kid that comes to Maine is like, look, you gotta want to be here, right? Like, you have to want to be here, and that's regardless. And and for me, the transfer portal is another tool. Um, it's not the free agent. You know, uh, I don't see it being a free agent market by any means. I don't, you know, I'm sure that in a year's time or two years time, you know, I might be saying, you know, talking differently and saying, you know, my best player is leaving because he's doing this or that. And, you know, maybe, maybe not. But right now, what the way I see it is that we're, you know, we're able to get some players that, you know, maybe, you know, we didn't get, uh, you know, as a, as a high school player or, you know, for whatever reason, they chose to go somewhere else. Now they're coming back around. The, the the transfer portal, in my opinion, is 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 just another tool. Same same thing as junior college, you know. And the transfer portal, it's really not the, the portal that you know people really have an issue with. I think it's the fact that they can travel, they can transfer, and have an immediate one year start, right? So um, transferring is not anything new, right. you know. Just being able to see kids available, I think that's that can be kind of scary. That can be kind of scary, um, you know, for people. Yeah. And how does that process take place? So once they're in the portal, you're allowed to communicate with them. Uh, if you're a coach from another university, is that typically, do you reach out, you know, with a phone call or a text or how does that all play out? It, uh, it varies, right? So, you know, if we've had recruiting contact with the kid prior to his commitment to a four-year school, you know, name pops in the portal, you know, like, so like Dylan McNary is an example of a guy that we got that we recruited at a high school and he went to Villanova, you know, he got in the portal. So you know, I had his number in our recruiting software. Hmm. So he, you know, up in the portal, I shot a text, Hey Dylan, what's up? It's coach Derbs. You know, if you want to talk about Maine, give me a shout. And then you have other guys, you know, uh, Brett Irwin, the Jordan Schulfin or Andrew Shaw's who we may not have had contact prior to their initial commitments to different schools we pop up in the portal. And we send it, sent an email and, you know, and sometimes guys get back to you. Sometimes guys don't. It's, uh, but, you know, you, you do what you can do. You, you call around, you do your research, um, you know, and, and it's giving kids, really, it's giving kids an opportunity to extend their playing career and, and chase something that, you know, they may not have been able to do at their old school or just chase a new, a new opportunity and, and, and really gain experience, which is really what college is about, right? It's about, about gaining experiences for the next stage of their life. Right. And one of those experiences is uh, that you're providing for your players this year uh, is playing against some really elite non-conference uh, competition. We talked a couple weeks ago when your schedule came out. Uh, it starts with LSU on the road. Then you play Penn State. I think that's down in uh, North Carolina, maybe. How do, yeah. how do those uh, non-conference games come about? How does, how does the scheduling work? We, uh, you know, use College Baseball Insider, and actually one of the one of the nice things from COVID that uh, came out was this massive Division One email thread that I think every every college coach, uh, every head coach is on. So we, you know, we send people are sending out emails, or you know, you go to College Baseball Insider, you check out available dates, <clears throat> and you and you kind of, you know, shoot emails and say, hey, Maine's looking for a place to play in 2023 or 2024, you know would you want to play? And some people get back to you. Some people say it's filled some guy, you know, LSU and coach Johnson was like, Hey, let's, let's get something going. And, you know, we we're, we're going to go down there and play. And, um, you know, it, it's a good experience, you know, and I, I personally really love the idea of going down and playing, you know, these are, these are national, these are world series teams, right? These are, these are, the, these are you know, the, the best of the best. And, 
I think it's a good experience. Um, I love doing it when I was when I was a player at Manhattan College and going out and playing, you know, nationally ranked teams and really see where you stand and kind of get an idea and, and it, it puts put things perspective too for our players, you know, because everyone sits here, you know, talking about Omaha or super regional or winning or getting to a regional. Well, these are guys that you have to you have to be able to compete with them to be a regional team, you know, and to get there, you got to be able to play, you know, you got to be able to hang with them. You got to be able to do something that's, that's good. You know, the America East is not the SEC or ACC, but it's really good baseball. You know, if you go down there and they blow you out, you know, by three touchdowns and a field goal, you're probably a little far off even in the America East, you know? So I think it's just a really good test and, and, and uh, a good start to the season. And, you know, it's a good, a different experience for a lot of our guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I would imagine, you know, if, is it also LSU's opening weekend too? Cause it, you might see, you know, their best pitcher, you might see their ace, right? Yeah. We'll see the dudes. Yeah. We're, I mean, it's, it's opening weekend for everybody. So, yeah. you know, we're, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's good. It's good. You know, and I think it puts, puts things in perspective too, right. You know, you, for, from a professional standpoint, you know, everyone wants to play professional baseball. Well, we're going down and these are the guys you got to be able to compete with to be a, a pro player, you know? So right. it's, it's, it's holy. Um, it's a good, it's just, it's just good baseball. And we'll, we'll come back from that weekend and we'll know we'll have a lot of stuff to work on, but uh, our weaknesses will be glaring as well, as well as our strengths. And that's a really good starting point, you know, for us to, to be able to work towards and, and move on and, and work towards America East championship. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned if guys want to play professionally, you know, they got to match up well against competition like that. You had two guys last year who went on to uh, who went on to play professional baseball or are now playing professional baseball. Nick Sinicola and Alex McKinney. Um, what does your pitching staff look like now that you're looking to fill those two slots? I do want to plug in Sean Lawler, who actually went up going and play with uh, in Utica in independent ball. So. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. Sorry, but uh, but uh, yeah. So those those two guys were the the most notable, uh, pitching staff wise, and um, you know we're we're bringing back a lot of our our, our bullpen guys. You know, Matt Pushar was a was a guy in bullpen. Tyler Nielsen, uh, Noah Lewis was a guy that started for us a lot last year, um, and then we went out and we brought some transfers in. Um, you know, Jordan Schulzen, who was at Richmond, Andrew Shaw, uh, Brett Irwin, the UC Davis, uh, uh, UC Davis starter. And uh, Trevor Levante, who's who's over at Maryland, who was another was a main guy that we recruited heavily at high school. You know, these are transfers we're bringing in to help us. You know, fill those voids. I mean, you know, you lose the best pitcher in the conference in in Nick Sinicola and an All American. You know, and uh, you lose a guy like Alex McKenney, who was arguably down the stretch our best arm, even you know more so than, than Nick. Um, those are two big shoes to fill. But you know, with the change in our our conference schedule. So now we're going to three nines over three days, which is a big change for the America East. The bullpen does become much more important where, you know, in last, last year we had two sevens and two nines, you know, Nick and Alex go and throw seven innings and get a CG, you know, now, um, you know, obviously having two, two starting arms, that'd be nice, but the bullpen will come into play. So teams will have to be uh, a little more balanced up and down top to bottom. But I think uh, ultimately, you know, we're going to do our best by getting guys that throw strikes, uh, induce, you know, induce the ground ball. We got to play better defense behind and play good defense. You know, and if we can do those small things, we're going to be just fine. 
Yeah, and that's exciting. You know, you mentioned Trevor Labonte. Uh, he's coming back from from Maryland. He's originally from Maine, so you know, it's he's back in his home state. But I would think, you know, that's a that's a pretty big score for you guys to get somebody to come from Maryland back up to Maine. What is the? I know, you know, the weather is probably the hardest obstacle when you're re- recruiting. You know, to get guys to accept that. You said you've got to want to be there. Uh, what is the recruiting pitch that you make to guys who are, you know, like, oh, it's too cold up there for me? Well, you know, it's funny because people are, you know, I'm, I'm from, originally from New York, right? So I'm from Queens, which is, you know, six, you know, five and a half, six hours south of here. You know, if you're not playing, if you're not like south, which is, not, you know, Virginia's south, but like it still snows. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so I tell guys, like, if you're going to be in, in, the, in Maine, like, okay, great. Like, no matter where you're going to be opening weekend, whether you're in Maryland or you're in Maine, it's still pretty cold. Right. You know, it's still cold. Um, you know, you get some opportunities you know, when, when the weather breaks earlier. But, um, you know, I don't know. We have good indoor facilities. If you ask me, if you tell me, that, you know, what, what to do, with, what's the, you know, how am I going to deal with the weather? It's probably not for you anyway. Right. You know, it, it is what it is. And uh, I tell guys, if you want to be a big leaguer, you got to learn how to play in the cold anyway. Because, you know, New York, it's cold in October. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, my recruiting pitch is simple. And, I, you know, and this is, this is something that I, I'm happy to visit to allow again. I think our best recruiting tools are players, our current team. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys that, for me, that, you know, yeah, I know you got to talk with the coaches a lot and talk to me a lot, but, the team, the team culture is, you know, I would want to be their team teammate, you know, and I think that's, that's, that's for me is the biggest recruiting pitch. You know, we have awesome facilities and, you know, we got $120 million coming to the, coming to the athletic department and upgrades are happening everywhere. And we're the only division. Yeah, I can give I can go on and on about the great things about Maine. It's the kids, it's the kids that they want to win. They want to, they want to create something special. You know, it's the team. That's 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 my that's what I think is the best recruiting pitch. You know, those guys are uh, those are the guys you're going to battle with. And um, you know, if you that's you know to answer your question a very long roundabout way, it's the team that's the best recruiting pitch. Yeah, that makes sense. I wanted to ask about. I had a college coach who used to just agonize about guys going home over winter break because you make so much momentum and you guys are kind of uh, consistent with their training and you know they build up through the entire first semester. Then they go home. You don't know what you don't see them for a couple of weeks and you worry about what's what's going on in their uh, in their lives and hopefully their training and keeping it up. What uh, what's your message to your players now as they're finishing up this semester and they're going to be home for a couple of weeks and how do you kind of monitor them to make sure they're sticking with what they should be doing. We don't monitor them. We give them their programs and we talk to them and we help them out. And um, everybody's a little different, but when we show back up in the springtime, if you're not ready to play, you don't play. And the guys know that, you know, and uh, you're, you know, I, I ask every player every year at the beginning, I say, do you want me to treat you like a man or do you want me to treat you like a little boy? And they all tell me like a man. So I said, listen, this is what happens. This is the professional baseball attitude. If you go home and you don't, you know, when you're the work, the work that's going to make us an America East team, a championship team is not the practice time. It's the stuff you do when no one's looking. So if I have to hold your hand, if I have to make sure you're doing the work then you don't belong here, you don't belong at the division one level. And you probably don't belong playing any college baseball at all. 
to feel, and you can go play rec baseball, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you have to also be a dedication. It's a full-time job. You show up here, you come to school, you go to work as far as going to classes, you cut your teeth there, you go lift, you take care of your baseball stuff, and then you go to, go to sleep and you do it all over again. And if you're not okay with that, then, you know, I don't really want you to be here and, and you won't play. You know, you have to be uber talented. And the funny thing is, you know, the most talented players I've ever seen, you know, Jeremy Payne, Chris Beck, Cody Larson, you know, Nick Sinicole, these guys that are really good and dominated college baseball, they worked harder than everybody else. So, you know, the, you know for me, there, there's really no, there's no in between. You make your own bed. And if you can't do it, then, you know, hey, listen, at the end of the spring, you didn't play. It's not my fault. You know, I'm, I'm trying to win games. If you, if you put the work and time in, you're probably going to give yourself an opportunity. So that's, that's kind of where we are. And, you know, don't hand, we don't hand, hold hands here, not in the great, uh, the great northern wilderness. <laughs> I like that. Hey, hey, going after the self-motivated players, that's, that makes it uh, more so you can do the things that you like with the job. The New England Baseball Journal podcast will be back after these words. Firecracker Sports serves all first-time and experienced coaches that are looking for quality showcase tournaments to promote their players and teams. We offer the most independently operated baseball and softball events in the Northeast region with qualified staff and college coaches to help you and your players get maximum promotion. Besides events, you can get all your baseball and softball needs with our player profiles, hotels, and even facility sales now. With Firecracker Sports, you can save time, effort, and money by getting all of your event's college resources and customer attention in one place every season. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division I, II, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. In terms of style of play, like when you took over the program, what, what were some of the, you know, everybody talks about implementing a culture and, you know, s- starting to build an identity for the program. What type of, uh, what was the style of play you really wanted to kind of implement at Maine? Well, so one, one of the things that used to drive, what, you know, what, was it from the pitching standpoint is that we didn't throw enough strikes to begin with. You know, we had, a, we had like some arms that were some, high, some higher velocity arms. But we didn't throw enough strikes. I mean, there was there would be weekends where we'd go out and we would walk more than guys we struck out. So, you know, that was the first thing. We would have recruited guys that could throw strikes. You know, and the first thing from the pitching side of things, look, I'm never going to be mad if you go out there and you get shelled. Like, if you get hit, that's okay. The problem is that I would be very angry if you walk a guy, then you go two-run ding-dong, and that happens on a consistent basis. That's when I get angry. So throwing strikes, that's the, that was the, that was the first first uh, baseline thing we had to touch. 
The second, the second thing we touched on was, was minimizing mental errors from a base running standpoint. And the third was handling the bat offensively. If you're, if you step on, on the, on the field for Maine and you're, and you're playing, <clears throat> you have to be able to bunt. You have to be able to bunt. You have to know the signs. You have to be able to make a routine play. And I think that, um, you know, our, you know, we've had a lot of success with guys going on to playing professional baseball. But the one thing that I actually have been seeking is professional athletes. I mean, we've been seeking, you know, we've been seeking better players or, you know, just baseball players that might have to be athletic. So from starting from that scratch, from the scratch, the most basic elements, that was where we were with, with, with culture and, and what we're trying to do and accomplish. I mean, those minuscule tasks, you know, when I watched Coastal Carolina win a college world series, I believe they led the, led the country in sacrifice bunts and were tops in home runs. And I thought to myself, that's a really, that's a really deadly combination. You can move a runner and you can put it out of the park. Like that's what I want to be. And that's what we, that's what we're striving to be. You know, and we won't, we won't be a team that's going to be able to lead the, you know, lead the country in home runs because of the Northeast or whatever it might be. But I want to be able to lead our conference in home runs, doubles, and in sacrifice bunts. I think if we can do those things, we turn to a, a bear offensively to, to defend against. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, handling the bat and I, you see all these kids on Twitter, you know, posting their exit velocities and, you know, everybody just kind of gets in the cage now, it seems like, and they're just trying to crush, crush the ball and get that exit velocity really high. Is it more, is it more difficult now that kids are seem to be kind of obsessed with those analytics to find kids who know how to handle the bat when they get to college? Well, strikeouts are not allowed at the university of Maine. So, um, we will be spending time with that. And it's, is it harder to find guys? No, I think that um, it's not hard. It's not harder to find guys. I think it's as hard as it was 20 years ago uh, or 15, whatever it might be guys that don't strike out, don't strike out. Um, you know, but there's, there is an emphasis that we put on, on the strikeout, right? It, it is the, it is the Holy grail when it comes to pitching. If you could strike out 10 guys a game, that's three and two thirds innings of baseballs that are not being put in play. It's a lot, you know, so we, you know, we talk about the strikeout a lot from the standpoint of, Hey, as a pitcher, let's strike guys out. But as a hitter, if you're going to strike out, you got to be putting together a nine, 10 pitch plus at bat, or you better be going tackle, you know, one out of eight, eight times. And you, you got to hit 20 home runs. Not many guys do that. So put the ball in play, you know, and, and what we see from a lot of our, our strikeout guys, um, and I, and I, you know, talk, I try to talk this, talk to this to our younger hitters is no one has ever struck out with zero or one strike. Most of the time people are striking out with two strikes. And most of the time you get the two strikes because you take, your, you take or you miss your, 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 your pitch you can hit. So it's not the two strike hitting that's the issue. It's the zero and one. And that's where we really try to work on um, just, you know, swing play. That's where our swing mechanics and our swing plane come in. And we start talking about the, the fundamentals on zero and one strike. And then we get the two strike approach. We know we will always get there, but you've got to be able to drive the baseball and not miss the pitch that you're supposed to hit. So do you use uh, any of that, any of the kind of analytics or t- new technology in terms of you, you said measuring swing plane. So we, we actually utilize, uh, you know, we have reps photo, which doesn't measure swing plane. 
but and we don't we do not use you know any anything else from the standpoint of blast motion or hit tracks. What we use is targets. We 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 do we actually utilize target practice where it's like hit the ball here and high, low, left field, right field, center field, and uh, we call it around the world. And we wor we work on our approach, so we find that it, it helps teach contact point, which is super important. Um, and then you know we measure it from the standpoint of are you able to do these things? What I'm kind of realizing, and maybe I could be totally off, you know, and I've I've done my my homework on on swing point analytics. Um, I don't know if there is a perfect swing, and I don't know if you know approach angle is perfect for everybody. And maybe you know I might be off. I think some people will be steeper than others, and uh, they're going to get away with it. You know, uh, I don't know if there's necessarily a um, you know, I think that everyone has a swing that works for them, but there are certain, there are, for us, there's three components that people have to, or always get to, right? So, uh, you know, your, your gather, which people talk about as load, you know, the way you slot in, and then a finish, which, uh, or getting through the baseball are the three main elements that we really work on. So from the, st from the standpoint of actually measuring swing plane, we do not do that where we have an actual met metric. What we do is we utilize flight of the ball. I'm, I'm a firm believer that the ball will tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, you have both played and coached on the Cape uh, in the Cape League with the Chatham Anglers. What so many guys kind of set that as a goal, you know, throughout their college careers they want to play on the Cape. Uh, what is that experience like? What is it? What did it mean to you in your development? Um, that was, so that was, it, it kind of goes back to, you know, us talking about why I want to go and play LSUs and Texas Techs. You know, I stepped on the field my first year, you know, my, my, my second year, I should say. And, you know, I'm there with Evan Longoria and Alex Presley, Chris Coglin, Andrew Miller, um, you know, like really good players, <laughs> really good players. And, uh, that team wound up, everyone on that team wound up going to like double A or higher except for one kid, you know, um, and he was pretty with the UNC closer, Matt Danford. He was pretty damn good. So, but the, the point I'm trying to get at is there are so many players out there that are so good and they're better than you. And that is really important for you to understand. You know, Todd Frazier was a guy that was, was on the Cape that year. And I remember Todd, you know, having this like massive power that I was like, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine, you know, imagine that, right? And this is coming from a team where we had, we had two guys that you know, hit 15 home runs in college. But Todd Frazier had this next level pop that I didn't even understand. You can learn from these guys. And that's, that is the most important thing that I think a young player has to start to understand. There's a difference between being a fan and being a student. Fans don't learn. Students do. And, you know, and, and I remember my, after my second year of, uh, of being in the Cape, my first year, my first year, I was up there, you know, halftime, watched these guys play, and I remember Tim Lins Tim Linscombe, like pitching, and I'm like, I'm, I was a fan of watching these guys play. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, sit back and actually learn anything. My second and third year on the Cape, I was able to start to watch these guys and start to understand why they were so much better than I was, and that's part of the that's part of the goal. That's that's part of the you know thing. I think coaches realize, you know, coaches I people talk about after you're done playing. Being able to sit back and watch somebody from a non-emotional standpoint 
and actually take in and see what they're doing is something that really good players can do. And guys that, you know, reach their talent feeling and it takes time. It takes effort, but it takes awareness more than anything else. And um, that was, that was, that was my biggest takeaway was how good guys can be, but I can compete with them only if I become a student of what they do, not a fan. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And you, it ended up, I, you know, I assume that that approach, you know, helped you throughout your, the rest of your college career, you ended up getting drafted by the Cardinals, uh, in the 2007 draft and you played professionally for uh, a number of years. Did you, uh, it's funny. I had Matt Antonelli on, uh, recently and he was talking about his experience playing in minor league baseball. And he remembered, uh, pulling up on the bus, you know, at one of his first games and they get out and they, they're in a new facility and he was like, man, I, I had nicer facilities in college when I was playing at Wake Forest. And, you know, his whole minor league experience, he was like, you know, it, it, he retired probably quicker than he would have thought because he was like, you know, I just couldn't take the minor league baseball experience anymore. What did um, what do you remember from your experience? Did you have similar a similar experience? Probably the polar opposite. Because I went to Manhattan College, I used to walk down, you know, he played at Van Corton Park, which at the time was like the murder capital of the world. So like, I'm walking out of my dorm with my bag going across Broadway, like trying to dodge traffic. So I had a clubhouse my first year in Batavia, New York. And I was like, my goodness, I've arrived. You know, <laughs> and I remember kids from Nebraska who, uh, you know, we played in like the regional two years prior. were like, oh, this is a dump. And I'm thinking to myself, like, guys, like, this is, this is it. Like, I got a stadium. I got a clubhouse. I'm good. Um, so that was, uh, you know, that was something, you know, the have and have not for me. I the facilities weren't weren't a thing, you know. I you know I just I was very grateful uh, to just be there at the time and playing in Double A. I was lucky to play as high as Triple A, you know. And when I first got drafted, I told my mother, "I'm like, all I want to do is maybe play Double A. Like, if I can make Double A, then I've done everything I could possibly do to be this good of a player." And I surpassed that, and I was very lucky to do that. Um, but you know, there's, um, there, there, for me, it was, you know, it was almost a come to Jesus moment. You know, I'm coming from a place where, you know, I tamped my own batter's box and built my catcher's box in college and high school, you know, and this, these, these things weren't, you know, these things weren't real. I was going, I was going to medical school. I wasn't going to play pro ball, you know, so from where I grew up and, you know, my baseball background, you know, I remember coming to Maine and checking out the campus here. I mean, I'm like, my goodness, like people actually get this in the Northeast. So um, probably the polar opposite experience, Matt, but, you know, all the same, right? It's, it's everyone's individual experience. Yeah. How did you, so it sounds like, you know, you didn't mind that lifestyle. How did you come to the decision to retire as, uh, as a player? So, you know, a, a, after, um, you know, whatever my sixth season or whatever, the lifestyle did kind of get to me. Um, you know, I will say that, you know, um, personal life, personal choices uh, uh, were something that became more important to me. Right. So, you know, wanted to have a, have a wife and have a family and such. And I remember asking some of the older guys, Cal Eldred actually was a guy that I asked this to, I asked him, what was the hardest thing about, um, playing, playing baseball? And he said to me, we're going home. Going home is the worst thing. Trying to try to figure out what's the hardest thing. Trying to figure out how to fit into the lifestyle of being a parent and a and a dad and a wife and a husband every off season and trying to relearn everything because you know you kind of get in the way. And that was for me, you know, that was that was so uh, you know that was 
this huge impact in my life. And, um, you know, I just, after injuries and, you know, just trying to get, just trying to get life going and not, you know, not making any money. I remember thinking to myself, Hey, you know, I might want to go. I want, I think I might want to go to school. I want to go back and get my, my education finish, you know, my, my master's, maybe go to medical school. You know, education's always been a big part of my life. Uh, it still is, you know, so I just, I saw the, an opportunity and I figured, Hey, you know, if baseball is uh, somewhere where I continue to get to, I get to it, but uh, I'm just ready to try something else. And that was kind of how I came to my decision, you know, just making a decision for my wife, my future wife at the time. And, and, uh, for my own mental, my own mental well-being. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, the main black bears are better for, for that decision. Um, well, Nick, <laughs> thanks so much uh, for taking the time. It's been great catching up with you and I uh, hope your guys come back ready to go, uh, for the second semester. Thank you very much. Love being on and, um, you guys are doing a great job. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks to Nick Durba for joining the pod. Before we close out, a few programming notes. Rate, review, subscribe to the New England Baseball Journal podcast on your preferred platform. Be sure to subscribe so you can get an alert every time a new pod goes live. To keep up with all things New England baseball, visit BaseballJournal.com. We update the site with new stories daily. Click the subscribe tab to get the fall edition mailed to your home or office. Follow us on Twitter at NE underscore baseball. We also want to hear from you. If you have recommendations for guests or questions that you'd like me to ask, send a DM on Twitter or email dguttonplan at baseballjournal.com. Thanks again for listening. The New England Baseball Journal podcast is a Siemens Media production.